hearing uh, Christmas fantasy this morning and Lansing and Oh Holy Night this evening really makes it feel like we've come to Christmas. So uh, let's uh, join together in a time of prayer before we come before God's word together. Uh, Lord, we, are, we come to you as a festive and joyous occasion to think about the birth of Jesus Christ. But in the midst of the, of the joy and the festivities is the stark truth that Jesus was born to die. Born in the manger, so he may be crucified upon the cross. That's the price for our salvation. And may we never lose sight of that. May we never lose the wonder of that. And we are so loved that Jesus, the second person in Trinity, will be born in such a manner, to die in such a manner, so that we, who were once enemies of God, rebels, rebels of the holy law, may be saved by you. Keep that in our minds and hearts this evening, we pray, as we come now before your word to prepare for celebration of the Incarnation. We praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. As the father of three, now I've been asked by them at some point in their lives, Dad, which one of us do you love more? Which one of us is your favorite one? We all know the right answer. I love you all the same. You're all dear and precious to me. I love you all the same. If you have multiple children, you've been asked that. If you are one of many siblings, you probably ask your parents that. And also, it's a, it's a trick question, right? We're not supposed to have a favorite child or grandchild or niece or nephew. And even if we did, hopefully we're smart enough to not admit it. So the right answer is always, I, I love you all the same. You're all my favorites. And as a pastor, I can feel like that when it comes to the Bible and Bible stories. People ask me, what's your favorite book of the Bible? What's your favorite Bible story? And I always try to say, well, I like them all, right? Because all the Bible is, is breathed out by God. All the stories are from God. And so that should make all the Bible and all the stories my favorite. That's the right pastor answer. However, we're all human. And for me and for all of us, I'm sure there are books and stories that resonate more, that hit closer to home. And when we come to the scriptures, we come to the biblical story of Christmas, there's all these wonderful stories, these chapters that make up the story of Christmas. And I will admit to you, probably my favorite one is the story of the shepherds. What Luke reports in his gospel, the shepherds out in the fields at night, is the one story of Christmas that really resonates with me. Now here in church, or around church at Christmas time, you know that's a standard Christmas story, right? You hear it every Christmas, we sing it every Christmas. We hear Linus recite it every year, right? In a Christmas, in a Charlie Brown Christmas. And it's, a, it's the standard that the shepherds are out in the fields at night and keeping their flock and the, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them full of glory that scared them. And he came to pronounce that good news of great joy that born this day in the city of David. Christ the Lord, the Savior, and then the multitude of the angels then showing up and crying out or singing out, glory to God in the highest. It's a part of Christmas story that resonates so familiarly with us. But I think it resonates more for some of us, not because just as familiarity, but because we find that you and I are not much more different than the shepherds. Think about it. They were just ordinary people. There's nothing fancy or important about a shepherd. 
When we meet somebody who's a shepherd, I've never met somebody who's a shepherd, but somewhere along the line in Winsboro, we meet somebody who's a shepherd. And they say, oh, I'm a shepherd. We may find that interesting. Nothing fancy, nothing important. They're not royalty. They're not important leaders. They're not famous celebrities. They're not social media influencers with thousands of followers. They're just normal, everyday sort of people. As a matter of fact, the shepherds at that time were actually despised. They were a class of people despised at this time because of their work. It's a dirty work. And because of this, they were rendered ceremonially unclean. As a matter of fact, according to some sources, they were so despised, so unclean, they were considered too unreliable to give testimony in the courts. So if you're walking along the streets in your mud, and the only one who saw it happen was a shepherd, well, guess what? They can't be a witness for you because they're considered too unreliable to give testimony in the courts. That's interesting, isn't it? Especially when you consider all the times that God describes himself as a shepherd. Think of Psalm 23. Of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. But by this time, shepherds were definitely not the cream de la cream of society. They were really just a bunch of nobodies. Ordinary people working hard for their families and hated by certain parts of society. But it's to these very people, these shepherds out in the field, normal, ordinary folk keeping watch over their flock by night, it was to them that God chose to reveal the birth of Jesus to first. It wasn't royalty. It wasn't the important leaders. It wasn't the famous celebrities. It wasn't people who had influence over culture and society. Shepherds camped out in the fields with their flocks. Ordinary people working hard for their families and despised by certain parts of society. That's who God chose to share the gospel with. And that resonates with me. I hope it resonates with you. Because I think that's a good representation of, of who we are. I think I'm, I'm humble enough and self-effacing enough to admit that I'm a nobody. I'm from Sumter. Have you ever watched Sumter on the news? Not always the best thing to be from Sumter. I was raised in a blue-collar military family. I was a decent student at a good but not prestigious college. When I graduated seminary, churches weren't knocking down my door to hire me. I tried to knock down their doors. They weren't knocking down my door. Big conferences aren't calling me to preach at their next meeting. Publishing companies aren't offering me a contract to write a book. I'm a pastor of a wonderful church in a small town in South Carolina, and I love it that way because I'm a nobody. And please don't take this the wrong way, but welcome to my group. You're a nobody as well. Merry Christmas, you bunch of nobodies. <laughs> but before you get upset and start throwing things at me, understand this. What we see in the gospel is that being a nobody in God's economy is one of the best things you can be. Just look at these shepherds. A bunch of nobodies. Despised by even the religious leaders. But God chose to come to them first with the gospel. And it seems that they were the first visitors to see the Christ child. And it seems to be they were the first one to go out and, and tell others this good news of great joys. They were nobodies. But they were somebody to God. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, isn't it? And it takes a nobody and it makes them somebody to God. 
And that's who the gospel is for. It's for a bunch of nobodies. It's for a bunch of people like this who are, who are ordinary and normal, who struggle in life, whose lives aren't perfect. We're the perfect example when Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. That's us, isn't it? It's to those people that God brings the gospel to. It is for nobodies. So in the economy of God, it's good to be a nobody. Because God loves a nobody. Like Mary, who is a nobody, just a faithful follower of Jesus. Joseph, just a, 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 an obedient carpenter, man of God, who is a nobody. The shepherds, ordinary, normal, even despised, yet God brought the gospel to them in word and form. So this evening, as we are gathered together for communion and to prepare for Christmas Day, let us do so as nobodies. Nobodies who know the gospel because God has chosen to share it with us. That we embrace our nobodiness because God loves a nobody. So as we come to this table, as we prepare for this day to rejoice, may we rejoice that even though we may not be highly esteemed in the world, we know that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are loved by God, cared by God, cared for by God, and led by God. That God chose to love a nobody like me. And to love me and you so much that he sent the second person of triumph Godhead to be born in a manger so that he can ultimately end up dying on the cross for our sins. I am a nobody who is loved by and who loves in return the only one who matters. May you be a nobody who knows you are loved by and who loves in return the only one who matters. Because God loves a nobody. Like he loves the shepherd. And like he loves all his people. May we come to him in that manner this evening. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you now as a bunch of nobodies. But it's good to come to you in that manner. Humble. Knowing we don't deserve your love. But you, O oh Lord, give it to us. Thank you for the story of the shepherds. Thank you for the way you love nobodies. Thank you how, as we prepare to come before this table, we're reminded that the somebody, the very Son of God, loved each of us so much that his body was broken and his blood was spilt so we may know the eternal love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray this now in the name of the one who is this love, who is this sacrifice for his people, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our communion psalm is found in your Black Psalter, which is number 290, Psalm 116. So Black Psalter number 290, we will sing verses 7 through 10, and we will stand together. <laughs>